This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Intercom is the business messaging platform that does the manual work for you, automatically qualifying leads and scheduling demos. Their chatbot and messenger free you up to focus on the prospects most likely to convert. You can leave your pipeline to chance, or you could use Intercom. Start for free at intercom.com growth. That's intercom.com G-R-O-W-T-H. Support for today's show comes from Citizen. Isn't it time you saw the light? Citizen makes watches that are powered by light, any light, and will never need a battery. So stay on time with Citizen's collection of EcoDrive watches. They're for just about everyone who prefers to be on time. Visit citizenwatch.com slash podcast for more. That's citizenwatch.com slash podcast. And now, enjoy the show. Hi. I'm Ben Mathis. Welcome to Kick-Ass News. My guest today is a really good guy, and he's funny as all get-out. Paul Rodriguez was named one of Comedy Central's 100 Greatest Stand-Ups of All Time, appearing in dozens of films and TV shows, and he's also a co-owner of the famous Laugh Factory Comedy Club in Los Angeles. Now he's got a new stand-up special called The Here and Wow, available beginning May 1st. And today Paul comes on the podcast to tell stories from his 40-year career as an actor and comedian, including his first time on The Tonight Show, why Johnny Carson banned him from NBC Studios, and the higher power who intervened on his behalf. He talks about getting his start as a valet guy at the world-famous Comedy Store and how that led to his being a runner for Richard Pryor. He shares some advice comedy store owner Mitzi Shore gave him starting out and recalls some wild times living in a comics dormitory above the comedy store. Plus, he tells the story of his worst gig ever. Coming up with Paul Rodriguez in just a moment. In his 40-year career, actor-comedian Paul Rodriguez has starred in the first Latino-centric sitcom ever with ABC's A.K.A. Pablo, hosted the Newlywed Game, and his own Univision talk show in addition to appearing in dozens of films and television shows. Comedy Central ranked him among the 100 greatest stand-ups of all time, and now he's coming out with a new stand-up special and album called The Here and Wow. Paul, thanks for coming on the podcast. Well, you're welcome. I was going to call it the uh, hashtag me too, uh, <laughs> but uh, they, they couldn't clear that. Then I wanted to call it uh, 50 Shades of Gray Hair. <laughs> now, is it a coincidence that you're releasing this new stand-up special the week of Cinco de Mayo? No, it's no coincidence. That's the genius marketing of the uh, Caucasians who run uh, uh, my career. They figured, <laughs> hey, you know, Latino, Cinco de Mayo. I told them, see, there's several other holidays that are obscure. I say, you're yeah, the 16th of September, and uh, the other one is uh, the first and the last, uh, the first and the 15th of the month is very popular with, with my people, and, uh, you know, there were several things, but I don't, I'm not gonna, you know, I'm, I'm so happy to, to just have an opportunity to do that. Hollywood has no need for some uh, 63-year-old dude, but, but I'm glad I didn't become that old guy I used to criticize, you know, the one who... Who thinks everything sucks and, uh, and young people today are crazy and and uh, you know back in my day a lot of reminiscing <laughs> because in reality you know it, aging is something that 
it'll happen to all of us if you mm -hmm. watch both ways uh, before you cross the street. You know, and, and I never saw myself uh, getting to, to be this age. And, of course, you know, the longer I live, the older really? I get. But but it's not bad. Do you feel like you're becoming your father at this point? Do you have that, has that set in yet? <laughs> oh, it's set in. You know, yeah. it morphed. I, I shave myself in the mornings, and I look in the mirror, and I go, oh, man, it's happened. I, I've become my dad. And I have his his pain. Uh, you know, he used to make this. When he laid on the couch, he had this, uh, I do it exactly like him. And you can't help yourself, I guess. I guess it's okay to become, it could be worse. You could become the neighbor's uh, uh, the guy, and that will say a lot about your mom. But, you know, <laughs> I turned, I looked exactly like my old man. You have a son who actually shares your name and maybe getting close to becoming the more famous Paul oh, Rodriguez. Oh, he's there. he's absolutely you, there. Yeah. What did you tell him when he told you that he wanted to become a skateboarder? I was disappointed. I didn't support him in that, and I, I, yeah. I hate myself for doing that because. But I didn't know anything about skateboarding. To me, skateboarding wasn't a, it, it wasn't a, a way to make a living. It's something you did because you couldn't afford a bike. <laughs> uh, it, it was a mode of transportation. Uh, I didn't know he had done that until people started telling me, "Go, you have a son that skates," and I go, "Yeah, you know, I mean, doesn't your kid skate?" <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think that the things that he did with that skateboard were worthy of being paid thousands of dollars, whatever it is. You know, he'd get a board, he'd flip it, and then uh, he'd uh, jump a couple of steps. And I go, you know, every kid can do that, but apparently not. <laughs> so he, yeah, he's a big deal. He did. He became a big deal, you know. And, and uh, after he won the X Games, as a matter of fact, the first time he invited me to go see him uh, was at the X Games uh, here in Los Angeles. And I begrudgingly, because as mom said, you know, you're not involved in his life. You're always gone. All right, all right, I'll go. <laughs> so I went at, at thinking, I don't know what the X Games were. I said, was well, it some kind of porno competition? <laughs> you know, is it a beer is it a sponsorship or what is it? And I go there and he won. He won the gold. And I saw the attention and the tons of people that were there. And all of a sudden, I'm bursting with pride. We were in the paper. And there was an article called, And the Sun Also Rises. And uh, there was a lot of people talking to me about my kid, and I honestly couldn't take any credit for it. If anything, I obstructed it. I remember telling him, "Come on, son, you're a better golfer." And he was. He was. By the way, he was. Oh, really? He gave up golfing. He shouldn't have. He was really good. And uh, I said, "Oh, son, you know what is this skateboarding?" And he said, "Dad, you don't even know. There's money in this. I, I'm gonna make it." I said, "Who?" He goes, "You ever heard of Kevin Costin?" I go, Costner? No, Costin. <laughs> no, I haven't heard of him. That guy's got a shoe and he's funny. And, and he's, I said, I haven't heard of him. And, and uh, man, that was his hero. And then, and then uh, of course, he won a couple of times. And, and then he got a shoe deal. I said, you're kidding. Nike is paying you this to what? He goes, hey, I got my name on a shoe. <laughs> That's when I took him serious. And I said, oh, yeah. Nike, uh, really? They're, they're paying some good money. And Needless wow. to say, he's paid my taxes so many times already that the, <laughs> whenever my career has fallen, he's he's been there to pick me up, doesn't hold a grudge, has, has still claims me as his dad, and <laughs> life's good. Yeah, you never see a comic with a shoe deal, do you? <laughs> you don't, you know, a gum shoe. Yeah. <laughs> Best comic never got a shoe, yeah, did Yeah, they? you know, it's Seinfeld, you see him with a shoe, <laughs> you, you know, Carlin? I, you know, comics, we're not... We're not good spokesmen, I guess. I've been a yeah. spokesman for some big companies, and I don't last too long. I open my mouth. I say the wrong thing, trying to be funny. <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm with Gilbert Gottfried in the woe is me section. Oh, no. Yeah, you know, I was <laughs> spokesman for Verizon. That was a couple of good years. The Pollo Loco, Pepsi. Yeah. Those are good monies, and I, I, I was let go because uh, I go, on, I go on, on stage, and somebody would holler that, and uh, I would say, you know, it's a joke, something about the uh, uh, 
the, the chicken or the phone calls or uh, can, can you hear me now, you know? And uh, and I get canceled, and I said, well, what happened? They never told you it was that, but I said, well, what, were they in that club really? in Wisconsin? I mean, who, who, somebody taped it. Well, who did they think that they were getting? I, I had the same conversation with Gilbert. It's yeah. like they knew what he his act was. What did they think they were buying? Affleck. I mean, <laughs> but who, I mean, it's a, we're comedians, right? First, yeah. they, they like us because of our of our brashness, and then and then they 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 tell us to to toe that line. Well, I don't know. You know, for me, I, I don't know about other comics. I would imagine it's the same. You know, to tell me not to do something is almost to say, okay, you can do this. Yeah, you're. Yeah, you're encouraging. Yeah, you're you know, encur- almost in encouraging Quentin it. Yeah. Years ago, with a, a show called uh, the Comic Strip, and they told us, don't jump from the stage. These are real prisoners. These aren't extras. Don't jump. We can't oh, you were performing for the pr- for the prisoners yeah, for the we, inmates. Yeah, <laughs> the, the heavy uh, hitters there. Wow. And I said, well, man, you know, if I if I jump. What's the worst that could happen? They beat me up. I get some publicity. They're all Mexicans. I feel like I was home. It was like a, <laughs> there were some guys from my high school. It was like a homecoming. Oh, really? I jumped out there, and they they loved it. I walked up to the biggest guy. There was a Samoan guy there from from uh, American Samoa, I think. Stood seven foot tall, huge. He was like a building, right? I walked right up to him and I said, "Stand up," you know. And he stood up, towered over me, and I said, "I don't plan to come here, but if I ever wind up here." I want to be your bitch. <laughs> and the whole place <laughs> fell out. And from there, from there, it was, uh, from there, I got my own HBO special. It did so much with just one yeah. moment. Yeah. One, one moment that can change your life, you know? Yeah. Now, were there really people from your neighborhood there that you, that you there remember? Was, there was. There was a, a guy named Oscar and a guy named uh, Arnaldo. They're both dead. Uh, one wow. of them died in prison. And uh, it's weird because they, they went to, they went to jail on small things, you know, you know, mm-hmm. uh, small drug, drug charges, charges or small, yeah. nothing big. But once in there, they were forced to become members of the gang, mm-hmm. and then they had to do something to make their bones, and that landed. There. It's sad, really. It's a. Yeah. I'm not saying. Look, like Richard Pryor said, I'm glad there are prisons, but there are people in there that uh, they just get caught by the system, and you mm-hmm. know, if you don't join that gang, then your your life is in peril. If you do join that gang. You, you you're you're gonna survive, but now you you're gonna commit a crime. It's it's a it's a maze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It seems like we're just sending people to prison to teach them to become better criminals at a certain point. Pretty much, yeah. and you know, going to prison here in in America is bad, but it isn't bad bad. I mean, you look at some of these uh, jails uh, in other countries. That's bad. Yeah. I had a cousin that was uh, doing time in a jail in Mexico City. And uh, if we didn't send them any money, he's not going to eat. And they don't care. They, yeah. Terrible. The abuse, wow. it was horrible. One thing yeah. is true. When they get out, they never go back. They have a very low <laughs> yeah, re- recidivism. Yeah. You know, but or, the, or at least they learn to pay the cops this time yeah, around. Yeah, right. Here in America, you know, you get full medical. Yeah. Uh, now I think the Supreme Court uh, uh, just passed the fact that if you want to change your sex, hey. Yeah. Of course, they got guys who will do it there for a lot cheaper, but, you know, you, you don't want that. But they get full medical, dental, the, the whole thing, you know, because yeah. they, they you, I don't know, it's kind of make it sound like they're recruiting, you know. Yeah. Hi. You know, you're homeless already. You're, at least you got you get four squares. But yeah, I think, I think the punishment is, uh, is the loss of your, your freedom. You know? Yeah. Now, where are you originally from in Mexico, Paul? I was born, they tell me, because I came to this country when I was two, three years old. Oh, maybe. okay. I was born in Sinaloa, a place Ooh. that's, that's well-known for exports, <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah, for, yeah. Are you the second most famous man from Sinaloa? <laughs> Dog whispers from there. 
Oh, is he? Really? Yeah, Caesar, Caesar is from there. Uh, this I several, still think you outrank him. <laughs> hey, uh, Felipe Esparza, the, the okay. hottest comic okay. right now. Yeah. He's from there. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I used is, to have. Is he a friend of yours? I feel like I heard so. him say that you were a mentor of his. Uh, he's, I, I knew that that young man was very talented years ago. I, I took him with me. Uh, he, we were working big places. I always saw great talent, but then for some reason or another, uh, you know, you'd want him for something, he'd disappear. But uh, now he's very successful because he's got a woman that won't let him go, and yeah. and she's straightened them. They should credit her with with the guy was always funny, but he needed someone that that, that he loved more than himself, or and uh, and she she's done a great job with him. I'm more proud to him. I just worked with him in in Hawaii in Honolulu. He uh, he was, he was a, he's a beast. He destroyed mm-hmm. them. That, I expect big things from him. Yeah. Before you got into comedy, I think you you served in the military. I was in the air you force. Went into law school. At what point did you get bit by the comedy bug here? That's a challenge. You know, I, yeah. I just uh, what happened with me is I went to the air force. I figured if I have to see combat, I want to kill people from far away. You know, and uh, <laughs> and I went to tech school. I had a great job. Made a lot of friends. And uh, you know, after I got out, I was going to school in the GI Bill. And I met a teacher, Mrs. Anita Cano. She's a professor. She's retired now, I think. And I used to always make her laugh and stuff like that. Well, it just so happens that her husband worked as a one of, a, accounting for the comedy store, you know. Oh, really? And she took me to amateur night, and because uh, she says, or either you're gonna go up there. And, and and be professionally funny, or just shut up and let me get on with class. You disturb me too much. You make me fu- <laughs> you make me laugh. I said, all right. So she took all my friends. I went up there. I killed that night. And uh, really, at the comedy store? Yeah, without wow. preparing nothing. Not at the not You're at kidding. the original. At the one in Westwood. You know. Okay. They had one. Okay. It's not there no more. And I went up there, and uh, I, I didn't prepare anything. I didn't know what I was going to talk about. But that morning, I had read in the paper that the Los Angeles Police Department had shot a black woman with a butter knife. Her name was Eula Love, and it made big news all over. You know, they shot her something like twenty times, twenty six times, two big uh, uh, police officers. And I'm saying, you know, I'm not a big guy, but you give me a baton and any woman, I think I'll win. You know, I'm not the killer. <laughs> and I did that a thing like that. And, and then I said, uh, these guys had to be fired for, for being bad shots. They, they shot thirty something times. That means they had to reload at point blank. <laughs> they wasted. So I, yeah. I took that angle, and uh, and they laughed. And, and then I said, whoa. So the, the guy managing the place uh, said, hey, come back next Monday, and I did, and I died. I don't know what happened, man. Nobody laughed. It was terrible. I, oh, I dejected and I felt bad. I always hear from comics the worst thing that can happen to you is to kill the first time you go up. Right. You were chasing the <laughs> it dragon. Spoils you. Yeah. You were chasing that high. And it <laughs> yeah. took me, you know, I, I seriously wanted to quit. If it wasn't for this uh, this comedian that later we became good friends, his name is Mike Binder. He's a, oh, yeah. You know, he was a kid. Uh, you know, he's a big time director, mm-hmm. real nice guy, good friends. And uh, he told me, he goes, Nah, man. He goes, you, you just gotta go up there. Just don't, just go to keep, keep doing. You got something. I don't know what it is. He goes, uh, and uh, I went on, and, and she introduced me to Mitzi Shore, and then I auditioned for her, and and she said, "What do you do?" And I said, "I'm going to college." And she goes, "Not no more." Really? So, yeah. She said, "I don't think you need to go to college." I've never said that to anyone. I said, "Well, because you know." That's a big deal from her. It was. She gave yeah. me. She. I love that lady. I just went to her funeral. It was very sad. Yeah. She gave me a job, and when I she gave me the job, I said, I thought it was a, an insult, a demotion. I was sure you can put the Mexican in the parking lot, parking car. <laughs> but it turned out to be the, the best job, the best job in the world. Yeah, you were the doorman for a while, right? The doorman, yeah. the perennial doorman was Harris Pete. He's okay. a legendary guy. But I was 
parking cars and stuff like that. Oh, okay. And I was kind of looking down. I thought I was going to start in the middle. He said, no, no, it's, it's the greatest job. Think about this. When all these big comic stars come and they give you their keys to the Rolls Royce, they want to know everything about you. You get close. <laughs> and it so happens that Richard Pryor came in there with a uh, brand new Corniche uh, Rolls Royce. And, and he said, what's your name? I told my name, my whole name. He goes, uh, where's Quentin? There was another guy there. I said, I don't know. I said, but I'm responsible. He gave me 100 bucks and he said, here, go give me a pack of Marlboro Reds. And I said, uh, well, how? Take the car, really? Here I am <laughs> driving a Rolls Royce. I found them a pack of cigarettes. I came back, and after that, uh, I got hired as his golfer. It was the best job I ever had. Yeah, yeah, that's wild, being Richard Pryor's runner, his errand guy or whatever. I mean, I don't even want to ask what kind Six of errands months, he probably sent you, you know, on. About, about three or four months uh, before that, I'm, uh, I'm trying to pass these tests in, in school, and after that, I'm sitting right next to Silver Street, right next to, <laughs> it was surreal. He was uh, yeah. so generous and kind, and I don't, I can tell you, it was probably the best job, and it only lasted for about uh, maybe eight months, because soon after mm. that, I, I got lucky, and Norman Lear gave me some bread, and I was, right. Now, at one point, weren't you living above the comedy store yeah, with well, a bunch of comics? A lot, yeah, a lot of us did. A lot <laughs> Who of us else did. was, it was, it was a It was like a, 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 a great place, to, it was like a very transient place, you had, you had the, Kennison, you had Dice, you had wow. Yakov, God, just about anybody at one time, and, and a bunch of girls that, you know, every night, it was ridiculous, it was, uh, <laughs> you know, I remember girls, uh, I'm sleeping, a girl coming to my room, just laying down next to me, and I'm going, are you okay? Are you? He goes, who are you? And I'm going, <laughs> I'm, I'm this is my this is my uh, my room, who are you? She goes, oh, I, I'm just waiting for, for someone. <laughs> Who? So, but in the meantime, you'll do. <laughs> so there I was. Uh, I think I was uh, catching uh, somebody's overflow. Yeah, you're a ringer. <laughs> now, have you watched the Showtime series? I'm dying yeah. up there. Is that pretty much accurate no, <laughs> from what no, you recall? It's some of it is, but yeah. no, none of those. I mean, Jim Carrey was certainly a, a bomb when he when he came in. He was a no. He was amazing. Just a, I never seen an impressionist like that. Uh, it was ridiculous. It was just yeah. th this town was too big because he, Carrie uh, would morph into these people, and he was doing characters that not not your common character, not not the kind of guys that Rich Little or you know I've, everybody thinks they can do yeah. Cagney or whatever. <laughs> he was doing Broderick Crawford. You know what that is? <laughs> yeah, Highway yeah, that's, Patrol. That's, that's a reach. Though. He was, yeah, he was doing people that just he could do anybody. By the way, you know, he was just his face was just contorted more of the best Clint I ever seen. He, he was just doing everybody, and yeah. when you saw that kind of talent, he was getting stand up, uh, stand, uh, what do you guess, standing ovation every night. You went, "This over. What, what am I gonna do here?" You know. Wow. It was it was powerful. Never seen anything like that. You know. Now, was this around the same time as the comedy club wars between Mitzi and Bud Friedman? Yeah. Well, the strike had just ended. Mm -hmm. and I came right at the heels of that, and uh, you had your comedy store comics. You have your uh, uh, improv, improv comics. comics yeah. I'm one of the very few, Robin too. I think I'm one of the very few that that it was okay. I was mm -hmm. on the 15th year anniversary special of the Comedy Store, and on uh, 25th, and I was on the 15th anniversary special of the Improv. Oh, know? really? Yeah, huh. they, they they both uh, claim me, and I let them. I, I was, yeah, baby. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm sitting right next to Billy Crystal and and uh, Richard Lewis wow. and uh, Martin Mull, Robin, and then on the other one, I'm with. Richard Pryor, David Letter, all these, you know. And I was a new kid on the block. Did I deserve it? No, but was I going to turn it down? No. I was, yeah. But Mitzi was cool with that. Uh, yeah. She 
she didn't hold no grudges. She loved entertainers. I was just at her funeral, and uh, I really, I really feel her absence because I don't think I hope she gets her due because she should get a, a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. She never mixed any words and told you what she thought of you. Uh, when I auditioned for her, they told me you sure because once you do, it's not like she's gonna take come back next week. You you, you, you got one shot. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, and she she was very gracious to me but a lot of people she said no you, you know you say funny things but you're not a stand-up you're a writer and they'd yeah, argue with her i heard go, that she would always tell people yeah she, she always had something to say <laughs> yeah a lot of it would get offended but in hindsight it turned out to be true she told mm-hmm. me she goes that mustache shave it off you're trying to look like freddie prince you don't need to uh. compete with a dead man take that mustache off uh, you know, it, and that, that's what I, you know, I yeah. said, all right, I was I going to say, no, the mustache was gone. I said, but it's good with the ladies. She goes, oh, there'll be plenty. <laughs> she said, there'll be plenty. That'll be your problem. And God, was she uh, so accurate. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break, and then I'll be back with more with Paul Rodriguez when we come back in just a moment. Hey guys, let me tell you about Dollar Shave Club, my go-to for razors, shave butter, and all kinds of good stuff. Dollar Shave Club delivers everything you need to look, feel, and smell your best. You name it, shampoo, conditioner, body wash, toothpaste, hair gel, even wipes. Their six-blade executive razor is the best I've ever used. I could get a clean shave off that baby even if I used it every day for two weeks. And now I've become a huge fan of their amber and lavender calming body cleanser. Man, do I smell good. And it's the best way to start your day, guys. But all of Dollar Shave Club's products are great and made with top-shelf ingredients that won't break your budget. Plus, shipping is free with your membership. And here's a great way to try a bunch of Dollar Shave Club's products. For just 5 bucks, you can get their Daily Essentials Starter Set. It comes with Body Cleanser, One Wipe Charlies, their world-famous Shave Butter, and their best razor, the Six Blade Executive. You can keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month and add in shampoo, toothpaste, or anything else you need. Check it out at dollarshaveclub.com slash kickass. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash kickass. Listen up, folks. I want to talk to you about something important. Did you know that 71% of people say they need life insurance, but only 59% have coverage? That means at least 12% of people are procrastinating. And sure, normally procrastinating is a bad thing, but if you've been avoiding getting life insurance, congratulations! Because while you were procrastinating, Policy Genius was making life insurance easier. Policy Genius is the easy way to compare life insurance online. You can compare quotes in just five minutes. When it's that easy, putting it off becomes a lot harder. You can compare quotes while sitting on the couch watching TV. You can compare quotes while listening to this podcast. Policy Genius has helped over 4 million people shop for insurance and placed over $20 billion in coverage. And they don't just make life insurance easy. They also compare disability insurance, renter's insurance, and health insurance. If you care about it, they can cover it. So if you need life insurance, but you've been putting it off because it's too confusing or you don't have time, check out Policy Genius. It's the easy way to compare top insurers and find the best value for you. There's no sales pressure and zero hassle, and it's free. PolicyGenius.com. When it's this easy to compare life insurance, why put it off? And now, back to the podcast. 
who were your influences coming up in the business? Because there really was no Latino comic like no. Paul Rodriguez before Paul Rodriguez. <laughs> I, I mean, love Freddie Prince. Yeah. I was in the Air Force. I was at Reykjavik, uh, Iceland, um, part of the uh, 382nd. When when I threw the teletype, I heard that he had taken his life. And I couldn't understand that. I said, here's a guy making $40,000 a week, which is a buttload of money then. It's, it's a lot yeah. of money now. $40,000 a week. He's hosting a Tonight Show. He's beloved by America. It's not my job. It's a catchy thing. He's got a beautiful wife. He just, I said, why would he put a gun to his head and, and, and take his life? I don't know. But he did. And uh, there's the only guy I ever cried that I never knew. And uh, I remember my sergeant coming into to where I was working. He said, what's wrong with you? Family member? It's worse than that. What? You know, Freddie Prince passed away, Chico and the man. And he goes, what? Did you know him? I said, no. But my, that was my goal, to get out of the Air Force, hmm. to go to uh, Los Angeles, find him, and say, man, I'm going to be your writer. I'm going to write some really good stuff for you, and, and you know, I'm going to be your, your stand-in, whatever. Never got the chance. But I'm good friends with the son. Oh, yeah? Yeah, Freddie one time Prince I was Jr. working at, yeah. at um, Albuquerque, and he read an article where his daddy was my hero, and him and, and he was 15, and him and his, and his mom came to see me at the club, and uh, you know, just a sweet kid. And I, I just, in a passing thing, I said, "Listen, I'm here's my address, Los Angeles. You get to be 18. You want to come to Los Angeles? Come. It'd be my pleasure to take you around." Huh. And one day, the doorbell rang. It was him. I took him around. I had to be on, go on the road, and I said, "Here, introduce him." Mitz. He took him around, and I said, "Man, the best." And I took off. A few months later, his mom calls me. He goes. Freddie's going to be on the on the uh, Letterman show. He wants you to watch it. And he just got a, a little movie called uh, I Know What You Did This Summer. And yeah. next thing you know, he's a movie star. His daddy would have been very proud. Very yeah, yeah. Kid. That's uh, going back to sort of the experience of being a Latino comic. Mm. I've had other comics on the show who've talked about being conflicted about whether they wanted to be labeled a Latino comic or an ethnic comic, whatever their ethnicity is, versus being a quote unquote mainstream comic. Was that ever consideration for you? No, I, I never thought about it. I made mm -hmm. my bed and I, I sleep in it quite nicely. Yeah. First of all, I did it. First of all, that's what I am. I'm an American of Mexican heritage, and uh, second of all, that was my hook. It, it it made me stand up from the from the uh, from the crowd. There was there was nobody else doing it. I'd be a fool not to have used it. And and really, what does it matter? Do they call Cosby the black comic? Do they call Pryor the black? Well, comic? they call him a lot worse things yeah, now. Right now, yeah, yeah. In hindsight, yeah. But I mean, but I mean, uh, uh, perhaps a bad example. But I mean, uh, you know, is uh, is Seinfeld a Jewish comic? Is uh, right. Nobody has that ethnicity, right? Yeah. So if you want to call me a Mexican comic, I'm cool with that. The sad part about it is that that I, I said, well, maybe some people are going to see me. They think my show's in Spanish, but I, I guarantee you this: when you see my show. I, I talk about my Mexican experience and all of that, mm -hmm. but I don't talk about that for an hour. I mean, uh, right. there, there are other things you talk about, you know, but it, if it's my hook, I'm fine. All these other guys will say, yeah. well, am, am I Latino? Am I this? <laughs> Let the audience decide that for you, you know? Yeah. What you should be is funny. Well, yeah, and you talk about the universal things, about family and that sort of thing, yeah. which crosses all ethnicities. So. Well, you know, yeah. moms are moms, you know, that, mm -hmm. that, that's, a, that's the same race everywhere. And I just talk about, I just talk about the absence, her absence especially. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, an old person, not that I'm that old, but I mean, an old person, the more, the older you get, the more funerals you go to, the more of your friends. I went to New York not too long ago and I looked at my phone book and I realized that 
those all those people are gone. It's hard to wow. believe. I used to go down and hang out with Tito Puente. You know, he was a good friend right. of mine. Really? He, wow. He was a genius. Oh, yeah. He was a good friend of mine. And I, I look for so and so, Rafi Mercado, who used to run the the uh, this nightclub over there called the Latin Quarter. It, they're gone. Oh, yeah. they're, they're all gone. You know, and I'm, I'm going, wow. It's really strange that uh, you know they're not around. That's what old people do. We, I used to make fun of my grandpa because my grandpa went right to the obituaries when when he'd sitting down in, <laughs> in the El Opinion, his Spanish people go right to the obituaries, and he'd get this big joy going. Hey, I outlived this one. Oh, I knew this guy. Look, I'm still here. That was his great joy. And I said to myself, Man, is that going to happen to me? <laughs> Am I going to sit here and go, Oh yeah, oh, I'll tell you that George Lopez is gone, and here I am. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah, I got to ask you about Carson because I know especially in that era of you know the mid to early 80s that was when you really made it as a comic when you made it onto the tonight show what was that first time like for you well naturally i wanted him to call me but you can't do that you just have to do your best and he mm-hmm. did call me and i was lucky i sat to the couch to the couch i sat yeah. with him. wow i did it 12 times it was the greatest greatest time that's what you know you really weren't a comic you were you know but when you did the tonight show it was like a it was like a, a fraternity you know it's like mm-hmm. a overnight People in Boston, everybody knew you were a comic. Mm-hmm. Carson has said your name. There was no question about that. You needed that. I don't know if the Tonight Show has that kind of clout now, but it certainly did back then. Well, they it, don't have as many comics on. They, that's sad too, because it, it used to be the, the the goal. But let me tell you my heartbreak with Carson. Um, I was promoting my uh, my first HBO special. I was scheduled to do Carson on Friday and Joan Rivers on Monday, Ooh. and I get a call from Freddie D. Cordova telling me that. Uh, they couldn't legally tell me not to, but uh, Johnny wouldn't like to see that, you know? And I'm trying to be cute and go, well, tell him not to watch. But <laughs> I could not say no to Joan. Joan had yeah. been so, you know, she'd been so nice to me, so supportive. To me, a friendship means you're, you're a friend through good times and bad. Joan, I really loved her, you know? She gave me so many, ex- she was a walking book of comedy. She knew so mm-hmm. much, right? She, she had just gotten that show on Fox. And there was that rivalry. I don't know why Johnny Carson felt like, because he loved her too. And then they, just because he got a show. Yeah. You know, I, think, he, I think that from what I've always heard, I think that it was that she didn't run it by him or at least tell him before he found out in the pay in Variety or whatever. And he took that really, really personally. I don't know if that was really either way. Let's say she yeah. didn't run it by him, right? Uh, you know, what was he going to say? I mean, he was Johnny right. Carson. Was she a threat? No. She no. was no threat. Nobody was going to take Johnny Carson out. Maybe he was an icon, right? I think it was unfair because I heard from her that she tried She tried to call him if he wouldn't take her phone calls or anything huh. like that. Now, was this after she signed the deal? You also got to understand that her husband was the one that, that inked that deal, so she was caught in the yeah. middle. Johnny had been good to her, but once she got her show, I think if you're a real, you would have just wished her well. It would have been big of him, but no, he went out of his way to try to uh, uh, intimidate all kinds of people from doing her show, and a lot of people canceled on her. I wasn't going to be that guy. Yeah, uh, she had been good to me, and I wasn't going to repay her like that. And it was a mistake. And I, when when uh, when when I told uh, Mr. Carson that day, I said if I could speak to him, he was very short with me. He goes, uh, I said, uh, you know, I'm just a pissant guy here. I'm so grateful to you. You can't believe how grateful I am. But Joan Rivers has been so good to me. I'm between a rock and a hard place. What's the big deal if I go on her show or not? Am I, I'm, am I asking you permission? No. I'm just telling you that I'm going to do her show because I'm loyal to my friends. And, mm-hmm. and I hope that. And then he, he said, well, don't ex-, he said some kind of thing. And I said, you know, that's really fucked up of you, Johnny. And he yeah. turned to me. He goes, what? You heard it. 
<laughs> and, I, and I basically I said, wow. fuck you, and I knew everything was over. And I was depressed for a long time. I said, how did I speak to the man like that, right? Yeah. Uh, my brother George put it yeah. in perspective for me. He goes, hey, Paul, you know, in all the time that Carson's been on the sh- uh, been there, it must have been at least a thousand. Wouldn't you say a thousand comedians been on the show? I bet he don't know none of their names. But he'll always remember yeah. yours. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> That's what they had to cling up. Yeah, I regretted it. it. But what was I going to do? I think it would have been worse if I would have canceled on Joan. What an asshole mm-hmm. I am because she was good to me. Yeah. And then and then I wasn't going to be exactly one of his favorites now. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah. I, I think I think I, even if he, if he hated me or whatever, I think he has to respect the fact that I stood by you my friend. You kept your word. I yeah. kept my word. She yeah. was my friend. Now, didn't he ban you from the NBC lot for a while? Yes, banning. I didn't know <laughs> Not that. Not just from the Tonight Show, but from the whole lot. Huh? I couldn't go on auditions wow. and stuff, so you know what I did? You're kidding. I went to a higher power. Mm-hmm. I went to Bob Hope. <laughs> Bob Hope had, I had been on the, on the Bob Hope special with Lucille Ball, which is something I'll never forget. It was like Mount Rushmore coming to life, right? And I asked Mr. Hope, I said, you know, I can't get on the NBC lot, and sometimes they're auditioning for sitcoms, and I don't know why... You know, I don't know who did it, but I think it was Mr. Carson. I told him my whole dilemma. He goes, yeah, Johnny's <laughs> like that. He did it. Don't worry, kid, I'll make a phone call. Just like that, you know? And uh, next thing you know, uh, I could go on the lot. Yeah. And it, I, I never I never walked up to the to the Tonight Show side. And said, hey, Johnny. You know, I, I never rubbed it in, but I could go for auditions. I could go, you know, because it was very yeah. important. Somebody, yeah, yeah, that was a big but, deal. But that just goes to show you the power that Mr. Hope had, huh? Bob Hope. Yeah. Johnny said, told the guards no. Yeah, we'd like to do that, Mr. Carson, but uh, Bob said yes. <laughs> and uh, I'll always be grateful for that. He he was. Uh, yeah. What Bob- was he like? Because I feel like history hasn't been kind to him since he's passed away. Who? You know, people to Bob Hope. Well, to both of them, but particularly to Bob Hope. I feel like I, since then, everyone talks about what a lech he was and how cheap he was. I can't. Sp- I didn't know him that well. I can't. I can't speak to that. But yeah. I'll tell you, the Bob Hope I knew was someone that was uh, helpful. I asked him about it, said, you know, about the money, what do I do, you know, because I never had no money, you know, if I ever get some money. He said, just, it's, it's simple, kid. He was just buy, buy, buy property, buy land, buy anywhere. Yeah, he owned pretty much all of Burbank. He did, he, think, he owned a lot. He? he was very generous to me. Uh, he was very feeble. The last time I saw him, he could hardly uh, talk, but still he recognized me, and, and he, was, he was very gracious. And I treasure those moments, whether he was lecherous. You know, people are going to say whatever, but the best response I got is what Pryor says. Pryor, I heard him say this. He goes, what would you like people to say about you? He goes, scandalized by name. You know? <laughs> yeah, just talk about me. Make up lies on me. In other words, it don't matter what they say. They're talking yeah. about you. you yeah. I didn't know his personal <laughs> life. But a man that powerful, I would imagine, yeah. he had several I mean, who, who, who would, what would you do with your money? You know, they name an airport after you. The saddest part is, is the really hurt is because there was no way to repair uh, the Carson situation. Mm-hmm. See, I really like yeah. Carson. He was, he was like the master of it. You know, he could tell a joke and then, and then he would make a bad joke good. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they were both great in their own genres. Yeah. But, but to have somebody like that impose their their will. Yeah. I mean, I'm a pissant guy, man. For them to say, make a choice. It's yeah. Joan or me. Either way, I'm screwed, don't you think? If it's any consolation, I've heard that story from many people. Regis Philbin and all sorts of people who somehow, not even you know, choosing Joan over him, just little things that he took very personally and then they never heard from him again. That he never so, spoke to that them. That is so fucked up for yeah. someone to be that great 
in every other aspect of their lives and to be so vile and vindictive yeah. in others, you know? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I figure we all carry our own cross. Hindsight is twenty twenty. If I had to do it all over again, I didn't. I wouldn't want to do it. You know why? Because I'm afraid I would have not gone on Joan Rivers, and that guy I couldn't live with. Mm -hmm. I uh, I can look at myself in the mirror. Even even that long after this happened, uh, I went to Joan's house. Uh, I, I I maintained very good friendship with her, and uh, and she knew that I had done that because she knew who was being. And she said uh, she said, uh, you know, I can count in one hand those weren't that weren't intimidated. Really? And I'd still have fingers left. <laughs> you could say that Johnny was generous to comics in that he had them on the show, but in terms of actual active generosity, Joe loved comics. she loved comics she, and she mentored them. She, and she had a library yeah, of jokes so much that was, more. like you would do a joke and she goes, there's a joke similar to that done by, she had, she had like a, she had like a <laughs> really? they had to go to the Smithsonian. I said, really? <laughs> oh yeah, this was done by uh, by so-and-so and so-and-so. And, so -and, -so. and I said, wow. She, she, had, she had so many... So many her and of course she loved a Phyllis Diller. So I got these from Phyllis, and, she, and that was uh, she loved comedians. Period. You know, yeah. she wasn't one of these people that that thought that uh, that she was more comedians, less laughs for her. She really, really loved. I think Johnny loved comics too, but but there was a there was a. It was a, an agenda, you know. There was a, a, a an aloofness, you know, mm -hmm. afar. Um, you survived. I'm it wasn't here, the end right? of the world. Yeah, exactly. I'm here. The pool's in. The patio's <laughs> yeah. dry. I got, <laughs> I got a bunch of exes. I, I have bills. <laughs> now, I mean, you have had this amazing 40-year career in comedy. I'm Forrest Gump. Yeah. I've met so many people. I mean, you've people. met so many people. You've done so many things. I always love to ask comedians what were their worst gigs? Because I figure after 40 years, you must have had some whoppers. I've had the, anything that could possibly happen while yeah. on stage has happened to me. There was a shootout in Lincoln Park one time with Cinco de Mayo in downtown Los Angeles. I was at the Playboy <laughs> Club in New York in, in, on 5th and Madison. And uh, this lady got a heart attack. I was also there when Lennon was killed. They announced it. On a John Monday. Lennon? John Lennon was killed. <laughs> uh, I, I, I was in San Quentin there. But I probably the worst episode that I've ever had happened in Banff, in Canada. Really, I got paid big money for for that. It was a Xerox Corporation, and uh, I got it. And I'm in Banff, and I'm really nervous. And this the Lake Elizabeth, this big old tall building, right at the very top, they had all their executives, and they had a, a motivational speaker, and he spoke very eloquently. And and then it was my turn. I was nervous as all hell. So my manager at the time said. Look, you're gonna be great. They know what they're getting. You know, just don't, you know, don't be dirty or nothing. Here, have a, okay, have a little little shot of tequila here. Have some. And uh, I took the shot of tequila and I said, hey, man, it feels good, right? I was relaxed. Said, Take another one if you're a little nervous. I took two shots of tequila and that's all I took. Uh, 20 minutes later, I am blotto. <laughs> I didn't know about the altitude. I, I, I wasn't aware of that. Oh, really? I was way out of my. I was blotto. <laughs> I couldn't talk. I was like, I was like four. Uh, what's that, what's that guy's name used to do? Uh, four, uh, four. What was his name? Uh, uh, a guy that used to go. Rrr, rrr, you know, Johnny. Oh, uh, oh, uh, I know who. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the, the yeah, the famous Forrest. comedy drunk. Uh, Foster Brooks. Foster Brooks. Foster Brooks. I, don't know what <laughs> okay, I was yes. three sheets to the wind. Okay. Man. And I went in front of all these executives, <laughs> and I'm going, I'm you're. Comedian, uh, uh, hey, let's have a rough motivational speaker. <laughs> and oh my God, I threw up. 
<laughs> I threw up. Not, I didn't you just threw up, throw up on stage? I hurled. Oh, my God. They had to move out of the way. <laughs> it was so bad that I went to my room. I didn't want to come out. I, I, I didn't even pick up my check. I didn't want the money. <laughs> And my, my manager, of course, picked it up. He goes, oh, what the hell? Come on. Come on. Yeah, say, to this kind of money, they don't want to back it. It was horrible. It was t- terrible. I have never. I, but I got drunk. I was drunk. I didn't know about the altitude. Yeah, I'm in yeah, yeah. I, I've the ne- altitude I've is never, a big factor. I've never been kind of there, thing. man. I didn't see. Yeah. I didn't know what the hell. And, I, and I'm, I'm really nervous. And I, I had the material already checked out. I was going to talk about a summer job. I was going to talk about duplications. And I was, uh, that was all routine clean, right? And. It was at towards the end. I'm going, uh, you know, because I'm looking. I had I had to do 15 minutes, right? And I'm going. Uh, anybody need motivation? <laughs> Ooh, I, I hurled. It was, and to, to their to their uh, credit, they, they yeah. never complained. I, I never got hired again. That's for sure. It wasn't like Epson said, "Hey, we heard about your uh, your ability to." Oh, my God. Well, one more time. The Here and Wow premieres May 1st on Amazon, Comcast, DirecTV, AT&T, Dish, iTunes Charter, Google Play, and many other platforms. And with a comedy album to follow on May 4th, Paul Rodriguez, the Churro King of Los Angeles. Thank you for talking with me. I appreciate you and to all of those who wasted an hour listening to me. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I'm grateful. (laughs) See it, buy it. I need the money. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks again to Paul Rodriguez for coming on the podcast. Paul's stand-up special, The Here and Wow, premieres May 1st on Amazon, Comcast, DirecTV, AT&T, Dish, iTunes, Charter, Google Play, and many other platforms. And the comedy album of The Here and Wow comes out May 4th. For Paul's upcoming shows, visit his website at paulrodriguez.com and follow him on Twitter at at the Paul Rod. Today's episode was sponsored by Untuck It. It's never a good look when you untuck a long, bulky dress shirt. That's why Untuck It makes shirts designed to be worn untucked. Casual shirts that are not too long and not too short. Shirts that GQ calls perfection. Log on to untuckit.com and use the promo code KICK for 20% off. Stop hiding your shirt with your pants or your pants with your shirt. Untuckit.com your solution to perfecting casual. We're also sponsored by Intercom. Intercom is the business messaging platform that does the manual work for you, automatically qualifying leads and scheduling demos. Their chatbot and messenger free you up to focus on the prospects most likely to convert. You can leave your pipeline to chance, or you could use Intercom. Start for free at intercom.com growth. That's intercom.com g-r-o-w-t-h. If you haven't already, be sure to subscribe to Kick-Ass News on iTunes and leave us a review. You can follow us on Facebook or on Twitter at at KickAssNewsPod. And as always, I welcome your comments, questions, and ideas at comments at kickassnews.com. I'm Ben Mathis, and thanks for listening to Kick-Ass News. Kick-Ass News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment, Inc.